Welcome to the Mount Washington Valley Spirit Podcast. This episode is entitled, Help Me, I Think That My House Is Haunted. This podcast episode is of a particular milestone as it is my 50th episode. My interest in the paranormal field began at a young age due to some interesting circumstances. And around 13 years ago, I began evolving my activities pertaining to the paranormal from a strong interest into a life's passion. A year ago, I began a blog and podcast to help share some of my knowledge in order to help advance the field. In doing so, my work began to get some attention from others. Never did I think that I would get to the point where I would be receiving many requests to appear on podcasts, internet television shows, radio, and to produce live events with the purpose being for me to educate others on the paranormal, as there isn't an official avenue for instruction in this field. I am enjoying the path that this has led me to and look forward to where it will lead me in the future. Thank you to everyone that has taken an interest in my work and shares it with others. Now let's go back to today's podcast episode entitled, Help Me, I Think That My House Is Haunted. I do frequently receive emails from the general public asking me various questions on my opinion on certain perceived paranormal activity in their house or what to look for in a paranormal investigation team in their area. I thought that would be beneficial for me to write a piece on the various types of paranormal investigation teams and the most frequent occurrences that drive cases to be open that could have been easily figured out by the resident of the property. With proper understanding, you may be easily able to figure out the cause of the situation that you may be perceiving as paranormal and the assistance of the team may not be needed. I will start off with a discussion about the various types of paranormal teams that you will find, as that is the question that I receive more often than not. While there aren't any official classifications, I will break it down into four categories of teams that you will come across. Almost every team that you will come across will fall into one of these categories. After I discuss the types of teams, I will discuss situations that are the most often misperceived to be paranormal when they are in fact are not. Please allow me to preface this with a statement that I am not taking shots at or demeaning anyone who gets into the paranormal investigation field. Just like any other hobby, there are various levels of dedication, interest, and skill sets. There is difficulty with some people misrepresenting themselves as a professional paranormal investigator when they may simply be a step or two above what you see from ghost hunters on television. Some people will even use the title expert. We may have some people with a much better developed skill set than others in this field, but we don't have any experts. Unless you can wholeheartedly say that your entire methodology falls into what I described below under paranormal investigators, you have no right to call yourself a professional, and even at that, a paranormal investigator shouldn't be calling themselves a professional. Jacking up titles to make yourself feel more skilled or important doesn't serve the field, colleagues, or clients any useful purpose. Please avoid them, and if you are reading this as someone from outside the paranormal research field, Please be very leery of anyone calling themselves a professional or an expert. If you are a ghost hunter, call yourself a ghost hunter. You are not a paranormal investigator. Please stop adding to the confusion created by the television shows starting 15 years ago. It is important for those in the field and the general public to understand the different skill sets between the two terms and to be able to recognize and assume skill set by the term being used. This isn't vanity and I am not knocking anyone. This is a request to help improve our field as a whole and return to the old ways of classifying people in the field by their skill sets and capabilities for the sake of each other and the clients in general public. The first three categories of paranormal teams are various forms of ghost hunters. 
The fourth category consists of a paranormal investigator. A paranormal investigator is not a ghost hunter, and a ghost hunter is not a paranormal investigator. They are two completely different things, and that separation all but vanished after the ghost hunting television shows started appearing on scene around 15 years ago, where the people on these shows called themselves paranormal investigators. Historically, before the time frame when the paranormal television shows started production, the two terms meant completely different things. To this day, they are still two completely different things. Nothing has changed. However, for the past 15 years, the two terms have been being used interchangeably by the majority of the people in the field, even though that is not historically correct. Please remember, the following group classifications are of my own designations and not recognized in the field. I am just using them to differentiate between the types of teams that you will find. First and foremost, there are the entertainment ghost hunting teams. These teams are solely into the field to find paranormal activity. They don't use any science of any kind and choose to perceive everything that they come across as potentially paranormal simply because it pleases them to do so. These teams don't do any actual research and don't make any contribution to the paranormal field in regards to advancing research or reputation. If you are looking for help with a potential paranormal situation, do not reach out to an entertainment team as they will surely believe that they found paranormal activity even if it isn't there. Science of any kind will be ignored because they are more concerned with their own entertainment. These are the teams that go on ghost hunts. There is absolutely nothing wrong with what they do for their own entertainment, but they aren't in any position to take on client cases or give advice to others. Secondly, there are the gadget ghost hunting teams. I would suggest that the vast majority of the teams out there fall into this category. Basically, these teams are mimicking what they see on TV shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Nation, and unfortunately, there are those that will mimic the more outlandish shows like Ghost Adventures, and others may expand their investigative repertoire a bit beyond that. These ghost hunters will use devices that have all kinds of flashy lights and assumed capabilities. However, the devices are being used primarily in an attempt to find paranormal activity. These investigations are not neutral as they are most likely to find paranormal activity even if it doesn't exist in the situation because the investigators are more focused on the spooky than they are the science. Teams like this will often use equipment in a method that they weren't designed for. Such devices I am referring to include, but not limited to, a K2 meter, SLS camera, Ovilus, ghost box, EM pump, REM pod, etc. The people using these devices in most, but not all cases, can't tell you how the equipment works, who came up with a theory behind the design and usage of the device, and that's even if there is one, and what scientific method-based experiments were conducted to show that the device can accomplish what is advertised of them. Please note, there really aren't any. In reality, these devices cannot do what these untraceable theories suggest that they can do. In another podcast episode, I will deep dive into this equipment and explain why they can't do what is theorized that they can do. At best, a gadget team might use some pseudoscience to do a small amount of debunking, but in reality, there is very little, if anything, scientific about their investigation. These teams will jump at the chance of an on-site investigation and usually do one for almost if not every case, where a paranormal investigator would have a very thorough consultation in the majority of cases remedy the concerns through information discovered during the consultation, therefore negating the need for an on-site investigation. These teams typically mean well and don't realize that they are oblivious to actual science that would be used properly during an investigation.
They typically have the best intentions, but a lack of knowledge is their weakness and at times can cause more harm than good for their clients, even if there isn't any intention on doing so. Be careful with these teams as they are hit or miss. Some have somewhat of an idea of what they are doing in some situations where the perceived paranormal activity has a somewhat obvious scientific cause but aren't overly familiar with various scientific subjects that paranormal investigators are familiar with and will often classify something as paranormal when there is a potential scientific cause that they hadn't considered. Others in this category are glorified entertainment teams who put a lot of money into gadgets that they saw on TV in order to enhance their entertainment. I recommend that you are very cautious with these teams, especially since they may be the only classification of team in your region. Some can handle an investigation fairly well if there isn't a somewhat deep scientific cause to what is occurring. Some of these teams have the good sense to consult with a paranormal investigator or reach out to someone with advanced college degrees or subject matter specialty if they recognize the necessity. Others will blindly blunder and cause more harm than good for their own enjoyment, even if it is unintentional. Most truly believe that they know what they are doing and are doing it professionally and are either by choice or unknowingly oblivious to the vast sea of science subjects that come into play during a scientific investigation. On the upper echelon of the gadget teams, you may find some groups that may embrace some of the methodology of a paranormal investigator, but they don't shed the majority of their ghost hunting ways. Thirdly, there are the religious teams. These are the teams with strong religious convictions and wish to research paranormal phenomenon within the definitions of their religious beliefs. They will often use terms like angels, demons, and speak of possession. While some of these terms are commonly used, some people in the paranormal fields, due to the terms coming from very popular particular religion, they are not scientific in nature and are based upon religious faith. These teams tend to focus on spiritual investigative methodology and not scientifically. Some of these teams will present themselves as demonologists. While I personally know a few of these people and like some of them as a human being, please be aware that their investigations will be very biased to conform to their religious beliefs and will often ignore science that contradicts their religious doctrine, often claiming paranormal activity when there is a scientific reason for the occurrence. These teams are typically not your entertainment variety of ghost hunters and will include some basic science into their investigations as long as it doesn't disagree with their religious teachings. As paranormal investigators focus on deep scientific subjects and religious-based teams will often ignore science in favor of religious beliefs, I would group them together with ghost hunters as they, in general, are not using advanced science in their investigations. Lastly, there are the scientific teams, and I mean true science and not the pseudoscience that you see on paranormal television shows. We are speaking about subjects including, but not limited to, physics, quantum mechanics, geology, meteorology, chemistry, biology, mental health, and other subjects including building logistics, radio communications, and electronics and plumbing. These are your paranormal investigators. They are not ghost hunters. These are teams that employ actual real-world science in an attempt to explain perceived paranormal activity with real-world situations. While these teams have an interest in the paranormal, their primary goal is to explain situations using a wide variety of sciences. These teams often include people with advanced college degrees or subject matter expertise, or they have built a network of contacts that they can consult on a wide variety of scientific subjects. These teams will exhaust scientific causes before even considering something to be paranormal. 
While these teams do use a variety of equipment, they use a plethora of equipment that you will not see on a paranormal television show. Equipment used by these teams include infrasound receivers, ultrasound receivers, ionic radiation receivers, including alpha, beta, gamma, and x-rays. They typically also have computer software and a laptop to analyze the readings from these pieces of equipment. These teams will also use thermal cams, but not to find paranormal entities. They use them to find what is being perceived as paranormal activity, such as drafts, animal life, and heat signatures from man-made appliances. These teams will also use devices such as a binaural microphone to help ensure that their audio recordings are as a human would hear them. Not with the priority to be able to record paranormal entities, but to be able to replay and identify sounds that are being misperceived as paranormal activity. Also used will be an atmospheric sensor array to monitor a wide variety of atmospheric conditions both inside and outside of the building. In addition, these teams will use gas vapor detectors, air quality sensors, and electromagnetic frequency meters, which are not used to find paranormal activities, but to find sources of electromagnetic radiation that could be affecting the client in a physical manner, resulting in perceived paranormal activity. These teams will also employ the usage of Faraday bags or cages around any equipment susceptible to interference from EMF radiation, such as any type of audio recording equipment, as Faraday bags or cages will block most of this radiation from reaching the equipment that is contained within them. This team will properly set the equipment and leave the building to avoid contamination of evidence recording. The methodology of this type of team focuses completely on the science and only leans towards the paranormal if everything else has been ruled out, first including their own knowledge or after consulting those with advanced college degrees and subject matter experts. These teams will often collaborate with other paranormal investigators for long-term research projects and may never partake in client investigations in some cases. These teams are comprised of paranormal investigators and will not employ ghost hunters unless a ghost hunter has vowed to shed their old ways and learn the methods of science. In summary, you have your entertainment ghost hunters, gadget ghost hunters, religious ghost hunters, and paranormal investigators. For a truly unbiased scientific investigation, you will want to contact a paranormal investigator. However, with the vast majority of teams falling into the gadget ghost hunting category, you may have to contact one of them for assistance. One sure way to figure out what kind of team they are is to look at what they post on their website and social media pages. Most teams will discuss the equipment that they use and to some extent their methodology, which would give you an idea on which category they would fit into. If they have countless images and videos purporting paranormal activity or gadgets that you will only see on paranormal television shows, they are surely a ghost hunter, typically of an entertainment breed. A paranormal investigator will use various verbiage that you most likely not be familiar with unless you have an advanced science degree or a dedicated hobby in a field of science. On a side note, if a team charges you money or highly suggests it, I would steer clear of them. Before calling someone, I would suggest doing your homework as there are a plethora of situations that can be perceived as paranormal activity that have an easy explainable cause. Today, I will cover some of the more easily identifiable causes that are often believed to be paranormal in nature, when in reality, they are not. Typically, the most commonly reported phenomenon is seemingly unexplained sounds. Some of these sounds include moans, taps, knocks, whistles, creaks, rattles, voices, whispering, footsteps, screams, and humming, just to name a handful. Due to movies and television shows, you will find that quite often people jump to a paranormal conclusion as to the cause of these noises. So let's dig a little bit into the causes of these noises. There is a phenomenon known as a Hemholtz resonance. This is when moving air passes over a cavity within an object and creates a noise that would sound like a whistle, hum, or moan. 
basically anything with a hole or a significant crack in it could make a noise if air passes over it. Houses made of wood can cause a wide variety of noises as wood can expand, shrink, warp, and settle as the temperature and humidity levels change throughout the day. These sounds can include creaks, rattles, moans, taps, knocking, or even what sounds like footsteps when wind reacts in succession. Water and air and heating systems and pipes can create a wide variety of noises including creaks, bangs, groans, knocks, taps, rattles, and vibration. Any places with voids, such as chimneys, air ducts, attics, crawl spaces, basements, between floors and spaces between walls, can amplify sounds and make them sound louder or pick up sounds from outside and make it sound like they are coming from within your own house. Voices can be heard through anything with a speaker or microphone as they can pick up radio signals from an endless list of sources. Voices can also sound like that they are in your house when there is an amplification within your house occurring emanating from a sound source that is outside of your home. Animals of any kind, whether pets or unwelcome vermin, anywhere in your house can cause a wide variety of strange noises. These noises could be from the outside and being amplified inside the home as I mentioned earlier. Also, auditory pareidolia is a phenomenon where your body tries to make sense of random stimuli and it is processed as a sound that isn't really there. Our nervous systems are a huge antenna for various forms of electromagnetic radiation, and various stimuli can easily be misinterpreted by our brains and seemingly recognized by one of our senses when the stimuli had nothing to do with the sensory organ that our mind chose to perceive it through. This could present itself as many of the previous mentioned sounds, but also include crashing, bells, claps, and even song to name a few. Those are just a sampling of the various causes of a multitude of strange sounds that you will hear in a building. Next, let's discuss perceivably unexplainable smells. One of the most common situations that I have heard is that when people smell cologne or perfume of a deceased family member. Please remember that air can get trapped in objects for very long periods of time, and when disturbed physically or by air passing by it, it may be just enough for that one time to release it. You could have walked by a chair hundreds of times, but on one particular occasion, you disturbed trapped air in the fabric and suddenly noticed the scent of a dead relative. This is often reported as visitation because people want to desperately believe that their loved ones are nearby, but is typically just trapped air finally releasing from an object. Various smells within your house can combine to form an unusual smell. Scents within clothing, blankets, curtains, or any type of fabric can often be released and a stale smell out of nowhere will appear if it was trapped within the fabric. Smells can come from issues with water drainage and septic systems. Smells from outside can find their way inside your house through chimney downdrafts, small cracks around your window frames and doors, and through exhaust vents, to name a few. Smells can get trapped between walls and floors and suddenly find a way into the main part of your house. Dead animals in the walls or in the attic and basement can produce smells. Electronic equipment can provide a wide variety of smells as well, including a smell similar to urine or fish. There is also a condition called pentosmia, a condition where, similar to auditory pareidolia, your body registers a stimuli as a smell that isn't really there. Be cautious of something that could feasibly be a leaking fuel source. In that event, call the fire department immediately, as they will have the equipment to identify leaking fuel. It is better to be safe than sorry. Now let's discuss a variety of physical sensations. 
The most commonly reported sensation that I have been contacted about is the inability to move upon waking or the feeling of being held down, often accompanied by vision of shadows or human figures, and at times there may be difficulty breathing. This is something called sleep paralysis, broken down into two terms called hypnopompic and hypnagogic hallucinations. This is when your brain is still partially asleep, while in the process of waking up or falling asleep, and you become somewhat aware of your surroundings. When you sleep, your body is basically paralyzed. It is a mechanism for self-protection. If someone is rolling around, they are somewhat awake as in a sleep cycle, you typically will not move within a few exceptions due to medical conditions such as restless leg syndrome or parasomnia. While startling, sleep paralysis is harmless and is not remotely paranormal. There is also a condition called parasomnia, which is where there is unusual behavior occurring while you sleep. This could include sleepwalking, terrors, and sleep paralysis, just to name a few. Often people will get bruises due to body placement while sleeping. People can also get scratches from pets, objects in beds, clothing getting caught on your body hair, and even by your own nails, all while asleep. But often all this behavior is assumed to be paranormal in nature when it is not. Dermatographia is a condition where you can have welts when lightly touched or brushed up against. Approximately 5% of the population has this condition, most often in older children and young adults. This is often misinterpreted as paranormal activity as well. In most cases, the feeling of being pushed, hit, or poked can be due to muscle spasms or a problem with equilibrium. Exhaustion can also cause problems with equilibrium such as swaying. Insects, cobwebs, dust balls, and other airborne objects have often caused misperceived paranormal activity. Even loose clothing can have a seemingly paranormal sensation. There are so many things that can physically touch you that could lead you to believe there is paranormal activity going on where there is a natural cause. There are other physical symptoms that can present themselves that could lead you to believe that paranormal activity is involved. Symptoms including dizziness, feeling like you are being watched, feeling that someone else is there, feeling uneasy, anxious, etc. can all be influenced by environmental factors including air quality, lightning levels, the layout of a room, infrasound, electromagnetic fields, temperature, ultrasound, atmospheric conditions, mold, carbon monoxide, radon, and fuel exhaust, just to name a few of the situations that can cause us to perceive paranormal activity where it doesn't exist. Another situation that is often reported as paranormal activity is when electrical equipment doesn't act as is expected. The most well-known example is lights flickering. Somehow, that occurring has been given a paranormal assignment when one isn't deserved. Lights can flicker for a number of reasons, including a loose incompatible or defective bulb. The ballast could be failing. Loose or faulty switches or dimmers can cause lights to flicker. Other reasons for flickering lights include fluctuations in incoming power, heavy electrical use somewhere on the local grid, faulty wiring, high electromagnetic radiation interference, or simply a short circuit or loose connection somewhere. If it is a different electronic device that is problematic, it could easily be faulty or dying batteries, nearby electromagnetic energy interfering with the equipment, a broken remote control, a loose or damaged cable, receiving remote control instructions from a nearby location, or even in some cases through ionospheric propagation from far away, and faulty programming or firmware on the device are some of the possibilities of activity that may be perceived as paranormal. Moving objects could be anything from the house shifting, to infrasound and other vibroacoustic phenomenon, to a truck or heavy equipment nearby, to gravity, to minor quakes, to a neighbor shifting something next door, to wind blowing, to loose screws, latches, adhesive or brackets, to humidity changing the viscosity of the surface of an object, to EMF interference with objects containing magnets, etc. There were a slew of things that can cause an object to perceivably move on their own. 
Our own memory is not as great as we wish to believe it is, and we can place things in different spots, cause a series of events to occur, and our brain can misinterpret an almost infinite variety of stimuli to lead us to believe that there is paranormal activity around us. There are countless things misrepresented as paranormal, but if the person experiencing the activity either fears the paranormal or wants to see paranormal activity, then their brain will choose to interpret stimuli as paranormal out of fear or excitement. Just various symptoms of claustrophobia can account for a large number of paranormal perceptions. While I do believe that paranormal activity exists, as I've had a few situations that I or my network of colleagues with advanced college degrees couldn't explain, I find that the vast majority of claims of the paranormal have a scientific cause that goes ignored. If you are not involved with the paranormal field of research, I will remind you that there are many scientific explanations for perceived paranormal activity. Do I believe that paranormal activity exists? Absolutely, I do. I have seen things that I cannot deny. However, as always, I'll remind everyone, if you want to be a paranormal investigator, the science comes before the spooky. Please visit us online at mwvspirit.com. We may be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr using the handle mwvspirit. We may also be found on LinkedIn and IMDb. Thank you for listening to the Mount Washington Valley Spirit Podcast, where we don't want to be normal, we like to be paranormal.